0: Hey, welcome to the Transforming Life Church podcast. We hope this encourages you and inspires you in your journey with Christ. So sit back, relax, and check out this week's message. Last week we started a series called This Is Us, as we kind of talk about our core values and who it is that we are at TLC. So if you are a guest with us or fairly new at least, this is going to be a great series for you to be a part of because you can really kind of get a peek behind the scenes as to who we really uh, feel like that we are here and who God is calling us to be. And, and, and as we identify those, those important, because we can do a lot of things and not really do anything. Um, and we want to be laser focused in on what it is that God uh, wants us to do. And, uh, and so we want to do those things well, because again, we can do a lot of things and, and do a few things well, or we can focus it in and do, and do some great things for the kingdom of God, because that's what it's really all about. And so last week we talked about the first and foremost core value is God's presence. Because if we don't have that, none of the other core values matter. Nothing else that we do here matters. We absolutely need God's presence. You, you, you okay with that, that core value? I, I thought so. I thought some people would be okay with that. Uh, you can clap um, for those moments too, by the way. Uh, but this is not, yeah, yeah, we're not a quiet. This is a Pentecostal church, in case you didn't know. So you can say amen. You can clap. You can stand up. You can wave your hanky like we did back in the You know, do something uh, that will help us preach better and sing better and stuff up here. Trust me. Uh, But uh, but yeah, so we talked about God's presence and how that is the most important thing. We absolutely uh, need that. Now, um, I don't know if anybody I I grew up in the 80s and 90s. And I used to watch wrestling back in the day. Right. Back in the good old days. Okay. And uh, and in wrestling, I'm going somewhere with this. I didn't mean to just switch gears on you. But I used to watch wrestling and they would have these uh, these tag teams. Right. So it'd be a partner. And, uh, and so one guy, he would be getting beat up on, and he's, and he's reaching for the ropes, and he's trying to tag it, and he finally tags his partner in to come in and just take over and beat up on the other team, right? And, and so today, uh, I'm tagging someone in today, okay, because uh, I had a wisdom tooth removed this week, as well as a, a molar uh, that that wisdom tooth messed up. And so uh, I had a couple days that I was a little down and out, so to speak, and, uh, and so uh, I, had to, I had to tag someone in to come in and, uh, and bring it this morning. And so to talk about our next core value, uh, our awesome youth pastor, Eric Joyner, is going to come in and speak. Uh, we're, we're, I'll bring him up here in just a minute, but, um, but now he can't say that, uh, that he just gets to speak one time a year, the Sunday after Christmas. Um, uh, so now we, we we beat that, okay? So so he can come up, but but he's going to come up and talk to you about generosity uh, today. We are blessed to be a blessing, amen. And and, and I believe that's the heart of God. But uh, but before he comes up, we've got a quick uh, little clip, little video to show. So you can put your attention to the screen and uh, and check out this video.
1: Generosity is generous means like when you give something something. You give somebody something that makes them feel good. Generosity is... Praying for somebody can also be an acting for generosity. What's the word again? Generosity. Generosity. Generous. 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 Another example, say you've got a Starbucks gift card of a $1,000,000, no wait, no, that's too much, that's too much, (laughs) too much, much, much. of $25, and your friend loves Starbucks, but they didn't have a Starbucks gift card. Well, if you gave it to them, maybe you'd think, hmm, I want this, but I think they would like it more, and then you just give it to them. I have been generous to others by helping each other, be nice to each other, and giving stuff to each other. Action! <laughs> One more example. Say I had a ton of muffins. Well, two. And then my mom said I could eat them both. And then my brother comes along, I had only had one, and he had two, but he had a rough day, so so I, um, so, and say I gave him one of them, um, I think that's generosity.
2: Amen. How's everybody doing this morning? Let me tell you, I, I know I told you guys, I, think I spoke a few weeks ago, which Pastor Kyle beat me to my joke, so now I can't say it, that I shouldn't have told him, that I only speak one time a year, because then he brought me back like a couple weeks later, so he ruined that for me, thanks for that. Um, but a few weeks ago, whenever I was talking, I talked about how the screens was messing up, and everything's all crazy, and, and that's how I knew God had something good in store. And uh, how I know something good is in store for this morning is, I'm sitting down there at the altar area, or not the altar area, but my pew, and I'm just, like, pumped up. I'm excited. I don't know about you, but I thought the presence was extra special this morning in worship. I felt it really good. Great job, worship team. Whoop, whoop. Amen. Yes. But the funny thing is, is while I was sitting there, I was like, man, I feel like I'm a tag team wrestler waiting to be tagged in. Like, I'm just sitting there with my hand through the ropes, like, tag me in. I want to get up there and start preaching. And he didn't know I was thinking that. We don't even talk about wrestling. Um, But he ended up making a wrestling reference, in case you didn't know. So I was like, boom, God's confirmation. Thank you, God, for giving me that this morning. He used wrestling this morning to let me know that he has something in store for all of us this morning. Amen? All right, let's take a moment, and let me just pray, and then we're going to get into this word. Father, I just thank you for bringing us together this morning. I thank you for the opportunity that I have this morning to come and deliver your word. I pray that it is your word that is said, your will that is done. I pray for the ears of the congregation to be open to hear, their hearts to receive, and that you would bless this message. I thank you for already ushering in your presence through the worship, and I pray that it continues to flow through this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Amen. Oh, wow. Clap for the prayer. Amen. Y'all are really pumped up this morning. I might as well just stop and call an altar. All right. So... <laughs> Listen, I'm, I feel overly emotional this morning. I told Olivia I grabbed a couple of tissues just in case. She said, are you planning on crying? I was like, I don't know. I just feel emotional. Because, uh, I mean, I've been here uh, 15 years. It's, it doesn't feel like maybe it's been that long. And some of you are like, yeah, it feels like it's been 15 years. Um, but I've seen a lot of different statuses of transforming life. I've seen some highs and some really deep lows. And when I look out this morning and I see the congregation, the number of people we have, the number of faces that I frankly don't even know the names of, and that's just because I'm horrible at connecting, and I probably should not be a youth pastor, but that's a whole other story. But whenever I look out and I see, you know, the growth, and as treasurer as well, when I see how we're doing financially, I just am blessed by it. And it's it moves me to see that we're, getting to a much better place than where we used to be. Um, You know, TLC, we're doing the This Is Us series. We're going to talk about how we value generosity. And TLC, we've always had people that were generous. There's never been a season that I've been here that there wasn't somebody that's willing to help out somebody, whether it's financially, with their energy, or whatever. But I wouldn't say that we've always been a generous church. We have always had generous people, but not necessarily always a generous church, and that's not to the fault of any particular person, but we haven't always been in the financial place where we felt like we could be a generous church, and I think we've had uh, leadership where in the past, they've done their best to bless and take care of people, but out of necessity, it felt like we couldn't go in abundance, because to be honest— for a long time, as I've been a treasurer, we've had a lot of tippers and not a lot of tithers. I mean, feel, feel free. I mean, if you've ever been part of a membership meeting at the end of the year, which you'll have the opportunity in a couple of weeks to do so, you could have seen this and you could have heard this in the past. But we have had many of seasons where we've had a lot of tippers and not a lot of tithers. But I have seen a shift, and I have seen it where we have seen more people give what would appear to be an actual tithe or above just a, here's a 20, thank you for, for all that you do, but actually giving uh, out of abundance. So it is a blessing uh, to be able to speak this message, and I know that most of that is all due to our senior pastors. Pastors Kyle and Haley, their desire is for us to be generous, and they are thoughtful around it when it comes in, well, what comes into and what goes out of TLC. I can't tell you how many times they've said, I don't know if I could buy this. I don't know what the budget looks like. I don't know what the money looks like. Should we do this? Should we not? Right? All the time, it feels like. Um, you know, he said we got $12,000. Didn't, he didn't say the amount, but we got $12,000 from Providence. That was the amount. If you're in the board meeting, you'll get to hear it anyway. But that's how we got to do the flooring. And he's like, yes, we got some money to go do something. Um, but also, you know, as being a treasurer for all the time, and we've had great pastors that have always kept an eye on the expenses, that have always looked out to see what are we spending, and how much is leaving this church, and, and how much is coming in so we know, can we even keep the doors open? Can we keep the lights on? Can we run AC because nobody's going to show up if we don't? But they are the first ones that have come to me as a treasurer and said, I want to make sure that what comes in, that we're tithing out of that. That they are the first ones that have come to me and said, Eric, I want to know What are we blessing the community with? That are we making sure that of the money that comes in, at least 10% is going out into missions or to events to help the community or to bless people, benevolence, all of those things. And where we're at is because of that mindset. And it's a blessing uh, for them to be here and to do that. So that's one of the, love them. (laughs) Told you, I get emotional. I'm a big crybaby. I'm sorry. So. You know, we talked a, a few weeks ago, we talked about missions, and we had the numbers thrown out there. Over $50,000 was just given out of this church in what we would call a tithing uh, aspect. And, and we still were not in the negative. I mean, if we were to give $50,000 out in 2017 when we were in transition, and there was just a, a handful of us here, the doors wouldn't be open. So thank God. You know, that's all I can say for all of that is thank God that we're here and that we're able to do what we're able to do. And it's because of all of you that you give and give according to God's will and that you give in abundance. So thank you for that. Um, One of the big things that our pastors realize and what's important is although we are tax exempt, we are not expense exempt. Amen. (laughs) We get a lot of cutbacks when it comes to, to taxes, but guess what? Tico's still collecting money for these lights and for this air. There's still a mortgage that gets paid for this building. You know, you're able to show up. There, there's, it's not free to run a church. Anybody know that? <laughs> it's not free. Trust me as a treasurer, it is not free, and it is very costly. And it takes every bit of us to come together and to not just give monetarily, but to give of our time and effort to pour into this church, to do ministry uh, that allows it to take place. So. Uh, also, I'm a little bit emotional. I mean, I look at Nate and Tia, and I'm thinking, the first time I ever spoke, uh, I, th- I think they may have been there. I know it was at uh, Plant City uh, First Assembly in the youth group. They may have been there that time. It was like 15 years ago, and I horribly bombed. I, I mean, no lie. I sat on the pulpit. It was a youth room, and so not really much of a pulpit. But I sat there and said, this is harder than it looks, probably 20 times during my message. Which totally just broke it up, but I can tell you exactly what I was talking about. But I hope that, uh, since I think this might be the first time since then they've heard me speak, that maybe I sound a little bit better than I did 15 years ago. But here's the fingers crossed. All right. So as we talk about uh, generosity and how we value generosity, uh, you see generosity isn't just about tithing, but generosity is about going above and beyond without expecting anything in return. And that's a key. It's not just pouring everything out and expecting something back. Generosity is going above and beyond and saying it doesn't matter if I get anything back. It doesn't matter what blessing comes my way or what. I don't need recognition or anything. I'm just doing this because God has called me to do it. So, uh, and generosity is not just about money. Although we value generosity in that form, we also value generosity at TLC in the, in the value of time. Because it takes a lot to show up, not just on a Sunday, and, you know, for the few of you that do, not just on a Wednesday, more of you should come on a Wednesday, by the way, I'll go ahead and give you that, I, I gave you enough, enough praise earlier, now I'm going to tell you you need to show up on Wednesdays, okay, it's, it's a carrot and stick approach, you know, i give you, dangle some good stuff and then I'll slap you with a stick, so, that's, that's the approach, so today I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to give you some steps on how to live with a spirit of generosity, all right? So, the first step to operating in a spirit of generosity is to recognize the authority of the giver of our time and money. You see, it's easy to freely give your money and your time if you recognize that it's not your money and your time. If you recognize that what is in my wallet or what's in my bank account was given to me by the Lord of lords and the host of hosts and all those wonderful things, then it's okay for me to go a little bit beyond what I would feel comfortable with because I know it's his money and he will return whatever it is and he will take care of me. You know, we were singing that song, Nothing is Impossible, and there was a line while I was sitting there. I don't even know what the original verse was, but in my mind I was singing, Wallets are open and watches are broken. (laughs) It's what... (laughs) nothing is impossible because <laughs> when we live in generosity our wallets aren't something that we clench onto and we hold tight and we say it's not free but it's open to to God's will and God's interpretation of what he needs and we don't look at our watch and say I can't make it to this or that because I have such and such going on I got family obligations and all of these things but when you live in a spirit of generosity it just goes freely because you understand it's not yours I'm going to speak on a, on a few verses. I don't have any of them on the screen like I normally do. So if you want to turn with me, you can. Uh, the first portion of scripture I'm going to be in is First Chronicles uh, chapter 29, verses 14 through 16. And in this, this is uh, King David. He's talking to everybody as he's getting ready to hand over the throne to his son Solomon. And he's talking about the temple that they built. So 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 14 through 16, David says, But who am I, and who are my people, that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as we are all ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple For your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. So he recognizes that everything that they've been able to do, this temple and the splendor and all of it, is only because of them. And as much as they want to be excited and want to give themselves a pat on the back, he recognizes that it's only possible because they're only giving God back what was already his. And when you operate in that, and you operate in that mindset, It makes it so much easier to be a blessing to those around you. Our tagline, Pastor Coll had already mentioned it, for valuing generosity is that we are blessed to be a blessing. When you understand that you are blessed and you recognize where that blessing comes from, it is easier to bless others. Do you feel blessed? Man, not enough of you. (laughs) Do you feel blessed, church? Because you may need to take a moment You may need to step back in your own mindset and really account for all that the Lord has done for you in your life. You know, blessings doesn't necessarily look like you live in a certain house or you drive a certain car, you have a certain amount in your bank account. It's not what blessings look like, it doesn't matter. You are blessed, you're living on this earth, you have breath breath in your lungs, you're able to get into this place, you're able to get into this house, you're able to receive the presence and the Spirit of God, you are blessed. And since every single one of us is blessed, we are called to take that and bless others. Freely we have received, freely we are to give, that's what the Word says. Freely you receive the presence of God, you receive the blessings you should turn around and freely give those out just as easily as you received it yourself. But the problem is, is we need to get out of our own way. And don't focus on who we think needs the blessing. Because see, too many times we look at somebody and we say they don't need it. They don't need this blessing. And somebody has to fit a certain criteria or a certain look, has to live in a certain place or drive a certain car or not drive something at all, to be somebody that deserves a blessing. Don't let what you think is true prevent you from being a blessing. Because what you think is true isn't necessarily the truth. All of us in this room, no matter what, no matter where we are, socially or economically, could use a blessing. Amen? I could go for one. (laughs) And there's been plenty of times they were like, you don't need it. I'm like, yes, I do. (laughs) You don't know, Ruthie's always there and got my back. You take that blessing, she tells me. I'm like, I will, because they want to take it from me, and I don't want them to take it. That's my blessing. So I want to talk about a little story. If you want to look at Mark chapter 14, we're going to be at verses 3 through 9 of somebody that operated in that mindset, the woman with the alabaster jar. Mark 14, verses 3 through 9, we're going to start at verses 3 through 5. It starts with, while he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came in with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made out of pure nard. I don't know about you, but I don't want pure nard rubbed on me. I don't know, but that's a whole other story. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. We're just going to stop there for a second. So Jesus is in the room. He's with disciples and people that he's speaking to. And a woman comes in with a very expensive perfume that is stated to be at least a year's worth of her salary. And she breaks that perfume over Jesus. And people are looking at her and saying, Why? What a waste! What a waste of a blessing. Why would you take such a monetary blessing and break it and pour it over this man that needs nothing, the Son of God? What kind of blessing can you give the Son of God? What can you do? He said, there's poor out there. There's people that could use this. There are people that need that money, and you wasted it on him. And they're rebuking her for her blessing, for her pouring out something on Jesus. They saw Jesus as someone that didn't need that blessing. And they claimed that the woman was wrong. But Jesus corrected them and let them know exactly where they were missing out. Mark 14, verses 6 through 9, Jesus says, Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body, before to prepare for my, bureau, my bureau, burial. Woo. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. We have to shift our desire to bless people based on what we see to being what the Spirit tells us to do. Because it can be really easy to bless based on what we see. But it can be really difficult to open up to that wallet to somebody you think has it better than you, or has a better lifestyle, or has something where you think they don't need it. Be willing to operate in the spirit and recognize who is the giver of that money, and if he directs you to give it to somebody that you don't think deserves it, that doesn't matter. That's not your call, that's his. Because it's not your money, and it's not your time. So you give in abundance in whatever way God directs, And that's how we operate in a spirit of generosity. The next step to operating in a spirit of generosity is we have to recognize the spirit of greed. You see, you can't operate in generosity and ignore the greed. You can't ignore that aspect of your heart that wants to hoard, that wants to hold back, that wants to say, nah, I need this for myself, or I can't give my time because i got to go do this, or I had a late night, I want to sleep in. You see, in order to be truly generous, we have to recognize the traits of greed and avoid them at all costs. We have to avoid greed at every step of the way. Greed says that you need that money to be secure. Generosity says security comes from trusting God. Greed wants you to hold on tight and say this is the only way you're going to make it. And generosity says, that's not the only way. God is the only way. You're going to make it. Greed says, only give what you can spare. You know what? You got a couple cents in your your car, give that. And generosity says to give in abundance. It says, give even more than what you think you got. Greed says, I had a long night. I need to sleep in. And generosity says to show up to that church workday. Anybody want to pull this knife out of my own back? Because I that hurts me too. Whew, Jesus. I can't tell you the last time I came for a church work day, just to be honest. Um, and any of you that have come can attest to that and you should have said amen. Because <laughs> I wasn't there to help you. <clears throat> yeah, it's true. It's easy to be like, you know what, but I got a wife and kids. I gotta be there. I gotta deal with that. I got other priorities. I can't go to that event. I can't make it to the night of worship. I can't make it to small group. I can't make it to this. I can't make it to that because my time is more valued here than there. Greed says to only take care of yourself and your family. And generosity says to love your neighbor as yourself. Greed says, you know what? Don't care about them. They can deal with it on their own. They can go earn their own paycheck. They can go get their own job. McDonald's always seems to be hiring. You know, no, no hate on McDonald's. I worked there for three and a half years. I, sometimes I wish I could still go back there and flip a burger and make it myself. But the way them jokers are, I'd probably be better off. There would be a lot less spit. I'll tell you that. That's the last thing I'm going to leave for that. <laughs> but, see, now I've done threw myself off. <clears throat> But generosity says, you know what, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where they're at or what they're dealing with. It doesn't matter if you even know their name. Give. If God says give to that person you don't know who they are, you go to them and you just say, listen, I don't know who you are, but God told me to give you this. You know, whenever I was, uh, this story just popped into my head. Whenever I was, I don't even know what grade, it had to be probably kindergarten or first grade. Uh, My dad was taking me to school when I was going to Jackson Elementary at the time. Whoop, whoop, go whatever they're called. I forgot. Uh, Stonewall Jackson, yeah. So we were uh, at a train stop because we're in Plant City and you're always at a train stop. And it was cold outside. And there was a person walking along the train train tracks that just had on a short sleeve shirt. And it was really cold outside. And my dad was sitting next to him in his truck. And he had like a flannel button-up jacket. And he told me, hey, I want you to take this jacket. I want you to go take it to that man and tell him that Jesus wanted him to have it. Now, I don't know about you. I would not do that for my kid today. (laughs) I would not tell my six-year-old to go hand a homeless guy that's walking along some train tracks a jacket. Just because I'm not as spiritually led as my dad was at the time, I guess. (laughs) But, But it's an everlasting memory that I can remember going to that man and giving him a jacket and knowing that he needed it more than we did. And honestly, we didn't have the best growing up circumstances. So, But it still was better than that, and we could bless him in that moment with something as trivial as just, here's something for you to wear to keep warm. It didn't matter that we didn't know who he was. It didn't matter we didn't know if he was drunk off of whatever. We didn't know what he was doing with, dealing with or going through or where he was living at, but we just felt like he needed to be blessed, and we did it. That's how generosity works. It doesn't matter. We like to see ourselves as mostly kind, and we like to think, you know what, I'm a good person. I take care of people. I do you know, as much as I can. I give sparingly. I do. I tithe. And then when the pastor asks for you know, a special love offering, I throw a little bit in. But that's really about all it works. I don't do anything above and beyond that. But we feel like we're kind and good people, and that greed, and that spirit of greed only resides in those that are really hoarding what they have give, been given. But greed can easily sneak into each and every single one of our hearts and lives, and we can think that we're doing great because we're doing the bare minimum, and truly God is asking us to do so much more. But we're allowing greed to hold us back. See, when God calls you to give, even 99% obedience is 100% disobedience. You can, if he says, you go and you give $500 to this person, and you go and you show up with $400, you were disobedient. As much as you may love the fact that you blessed that person and they don't know that you, you shorted them $100 of what God called, $500 was what that person needed. And you weren't obedient. So don't give yourself a pat on the back. <laughs> Hang your head in sorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I'm beating you guys up this morning. But generosity isn't doing the minimum. Generosity is doing what God prompts you to do when he prompts you to do it. It's not waiting on it. It's not contemplating. It's like, God, you asked me to do this. Let me go check my budget. Let me go see what I can move around and make sure this works. No, it's, God, you said to do this. I'm going to do it, and I'm trusting and believing that you're going to make a way and that you're going to bless that person, and you're going to take care of them. Another thing generosity doesn't do is generosity doesn't favor relationships. You see, we'll do just about anything for our mom. We'll do just about anything for our dad, our siblings, our family members. But we neglect those that are hurting all around us. You know, I, I'll turn my, my house around. I'll, I'll move a kid upstairs to make room for my mom to come and move in. But I won't do what it takes to just bless somebody in a small moment, giving them my time. You see, we need to be able to recognize that generosity doesn't favor relationships. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done for me. It doesn't matter what impact you have in my life. only thing that matters is God and his will. See, it's okay to desire nice things, but we can't allow that to be what keeps us from being able to live with the generous spirit. We can't say, you know what, I could give them this, but you know what, I'm really saving up for that. And you know what, God, I know you're telling me to bless this person, but that would prevent me from getting that overtime that I need. You know, I know you want me to go help somebody. I'm actually moving some stuff around my house, so if any of you want to feel generous and you want to help me move some stuff, I'll give you that opportunity just as it presses on your heart. Aaron's already said it. I just wanted you to know that. So I have one, but if anybody else agrees, I'll I'll receive it. Amen. Because generosity says it doesn't matter whether... Eric's done anything for me in my entire life. It doesn't matter if, if he's been my young adult pastor. It doesn't matter if he's been my youth pastor. It doesn't matter if he's been the treasurer. or all these great things that I've done for you people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't matter. All that matters is, is God telling me to do it, and I'm going to go ahead and do it. You see, I've had my own battle with this because growing up in the mean streets of Antioch, right, Mike? You know, honestly, this is, this is the sad part, because how many of you, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but but you've taken a moment to take your kids where you grew up. You were able to show them, like, the house you grew up in, right? So I was thinking about this the other day. I took my mom to Captain D's in Dade City, another whoop, whoop, love Captain D's, miss it when it used to be in Brandon. If you've been here a long time, you'll remember those days. Um. But that was one of our favorite places to go. And my mom always wants to go to Captain D, so I, we went to Dade City. On the way back, I was like, listen, we're on 39. Let's just go on out to the old stomping grounds out there in Antioch. Let's go on down the Dorminy Loop and go see how things are looking. I was like, I heard that they moved our trailer that we grew up in. It's no longer there. And then we had the kids with us, so I was like wanting to show the kids, like, hey, this is where Daddy grew up. And, of course, Ethan's like, why would anybody want to live in a swamp? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's that's just what we could afford at the time, so. But you know, it's sad that I was like, you know what? That that's the trailer. I couldn't say there's the trailer I grew up in. You know, like the only way I could show it to him is if I went to Google Maps and they had the picture of it, which it doesn't look anything because my mom took a lot better care of it than what the picture it showed. But you know, I didn't have that opportunity to say that's where I grew up and show him that that place. But you know what? We grew up in a in a tough financial times. Like I had. Uh, Three siblings living in a very small trailer. Uh, The room that I grew up in and and slept in had one working outlet. So we had one of those really big, you know, massive plug-into-the-wall outlet. It's got like six jacks on it that you can hook up to. Just You could run just about everything, you know? When it was hot, I had a floor fan. When it was cold, I had a a heat, whatever the thing's called again. Um, See, I've moved up so much, I don't even know what it's called anymore. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what? It's like growing up in that, I mean, to be honest with you, I was, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed to have friends over to show them. And one of the things I was like, I'm going to get out of Plant City. I'm going to make something of myself. I'm going to do this and that. I didn't get out of Plant City. <laughs> and I'm thankful I didn't. But you know what? It's hard for me sometimes because I'll sit there and I want to still give my kids better than what I had. I want them to see a better life. I wanted them to see a better house, better living conditions, better car, all of those things where they where they didn't have to worry about where they stepped in the trailer because you might fall through. Like I didn't want them to have that. That's what I had. <laughs> Preach, Alicia. Yes, she knows about that life too. So we're there. We used to have battles about who had it worse. <laughs> so you know what? We we had a house that we were living in really close by, and and we got to a place where where we are really good, financially stable, where I could just you know triple pay on the mortgage and all this stuff, and I could bring it down really quick, and anytime I needed to be a blessing to somebody, I could easily do it. And, and we did. And then we looked to move because we were growing out of that house, and one of the things that we literally talked about was, one thing that can't, that can't stop is, this house can't prevent us from tithing. Wherever we go, and I told that realtor, Time and time again, because they'll look at you and they'll go like, oh, you can afford this. I'm like, listen, you don't know what I pay. <laughs> you don't know and you don't understand, but tithing is happening no matter what. So I am giving, and it may look like I can do this, but this is really where I need to be to make sure at least that tithe happens. But then I also had to deal with the fact that I was sitting there thinking, can I still, though, be a blessing like I want to be monetarily? Like I can't be as much as I, as I used to be. And that was something that would hurt, but something we would literally talk about because it is something cognizant on our mind that, you know what, we're only where we're at because we've been a blessing to others, because God has blessed us, and we recognize that it's all his, so I will only turn around and bless because he blessed me. It's hard sometimes to look around and look at the budget and say, you know what, I can go and do this or that, but if you recognize who gave and you recognize the fact that you need to break away from yourself and your own desire for greed, it's easier to pour out and give. The next step to generosity, I'm trying to make sure. Ooh, man, I'm going a lot longer than last time. Okay. I was told by Howard I went too short, so you guys are getting a long one today. So so it's Howard's fault if, if you get mad about it. All right, so my third and last step for living with the spirit of generosity is to recognize it's not an act, it's a lifestyle. You see, there's a difference between being generous and having a generous spirit. Very big difference. Any of us can be generous. Any one of us at this moment right now could say, you know what, let me take you out for lunch. Or let me go do this, let me go cook you a meal, let me take you somewhere. But having a generous spirit is being in tune with God and answering that call all the time. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what he says and what he wants you to do, you operate in it. Having a spirit of generosity is living for that opportunity to bless someone with your time and money. It's not, oh, my God, no, gosh, why did you have to ask me to do this? But it's like, God, will you please give me the opportunity to bless somebody? Show me today who it is I need to bless. Show me that person I need to be generous to with my time or my money. Show me what I need to do. And generosity isn't an act. It isn't something that we feel like needs to be broadcast. Generosity isn't something you do so that everybody can see it and, and give you praise for it or that it has to be on display. It's not, hey, I'm going to give you this check, but we've got to make sure we're at the church and it's on the stage, and I want to be able to say, oh, I'm giving you this because God gave me this word or that word. Nope. Generosity doesn't operate in that mindset. Generosity is something we do in the quiet places so that the Lord is magnified in him alone. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we get that pat on the back. It's never about us, but it's always about him. If it's only about him, that's when you're living in that spirit of generosity. Because generosity doesn't require recognition. If you're bothered that you didn't hear thank you or you didn't receive a pat on the back, then it wasn't generosity. If you're bothered that they didn't get back to you and say thank you so much for what you did, here's a small token of our appreciation. If you didn't get that and you're just indignant about it, you weren't operating in the right spirit to begin with. You see, there are people in this church that have blessed this ministry. There are people that have gone above and beyond in their giving and have said, don't tell a soul that I did this. There are people that show up every time there's a request for help. I'm not one of those people. I already told you that. But there are people in this church that when there is a work day, they're showing up no matter what. And there are people that even as being youth pastor that have come to me personally and said, you know what, you let me know if there's a youth kid that can't go to something because I'm going to take care of it. You let me know if there's somebody that needs help paying for something because I'm going to be there. And they don't need recognition. They don't need to be called out. It's not something that they're desiring. And that's something that, that is a blessing to this church. That's how we are a church, and that's how we value generosity, is by having people that operate in that mindset without looking for any recognition. They don't have to be called out on the stage and said, so-and-so did this, or so-and-so did that. But they know that their reward comes from Jesus Christ, and that's all that they need. These are the people that just want to be a blessing with nothing in return. You see, what's funny is we talked about that woman with the alabaster jar, and her generosity is greatly proclaimed. Jesus said, wherever my word is preached, she's going to be magnified. But guess what? All that we know of her is that she's the woman with the alabaster jar. I don't know her name. You don't know her name. She didn't get recognition. They didn't say, this is Mary so-and-so from this tribe of of this son and from this town. And and she came with this perfume that was $30,000 and poured it on Jesus' head. So make sure Mary gets called out in every meeting because she deserves it. No, it's just the woman with the alabaster jar. And that's all we need to know about her generosity. And that's all that needs to be said and I'm sure she's in heaven greatly appreciating the fact that she is only but the woman with the alabaster jar. A person with a generous spirit is fine with that. They're fine with not being recognized for their generosity. If you're not fine with being able to pour out an annual salary on somebody above their head and never have your name mentioned, it's probably not generosity. It'll look good. It'll look real good. (laughs) It'll look real good to everybody in the room but it won't necessarily look good at a spiritual level. I'm going to call up the worship team. I feel like I've been going long enough now. To truly understand the value of generosity is to look at the greatest examples of generosity in the Bible. Now, this next little part, I can't take credit for it. It sounds good, but it didn't come from me came from Pastor Todd White, so I'm just going to say that. In researching this, I found a nice little video from him, a nine minute long video about generosity, and I really loved what he had to say. And he had one thing in particular that I wanted to say and throw up on the screen for you guys. John 3.16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son. God so loved every single one of us that he gave. He gave generously in abundance, his one and only son. He didn't take, he didn't say, you know what, I love you guys so much and I'm going to take everything from you so that all you got is me. No, he said, you know what, I'm giving you everything you got and I'm giving you my son. He gave. And Jesus, having not sinned a day in his life, gave his life so that we can find freedom from it. He didn't know sin, and he didn't deserve it, but he gave. He gave his body and his life for us so that we have freedom today to receive from him. Those are some great representations of generosity. Generosity isn't something that God commands but and doesn't demonstrate. God is generosity. Everything about him is generous. Everything that we receive is because he poured it out expecting nothing in return. I'm going to give to them. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to take care of them because those are my children. We're all brothers and sisters together in Christ. And I want you to know as well, when you find yourself on the receiving end of generosity, understand that that isn't an act of charity. And it's not an act of pity. But when you're on the receiving end of generosity, that's an act of love. And you receive it as such. You don't feel bad about receiving somebody's blessing. Never feel discouraged that somebody wanted to bless you or think that they looked down on you. No, God gave them something to give to you and you just receive it in love and you thank God. And that's all you have to do. If we can just lose our own self-righteousness, we can really be free to give and receive if we can just stop looking at ourselves and saying you know what this is how i want to look and this is how i want to be perceived this is how i want us to look we're already doing it as a church this isn't a beat up on transforming life church we value generosity and we have people that are generous and we want to be a church that pours out into this community as the pastors have said many a times We want it to be known that if we stopped operating as a church, that Plant City and the neighboring communities felt it because we were a generous church. But you know what? We can always step it up. We can always ask, what else can I do, God? What more can I do to help? I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up as well. Jason, if you can get the lights for me. You guys will go ahead and stand up as well. Appreciate it. I got a challenge for you guys this week. I challenge you to bless somebody without expecting anything in return. I'm not telling you that you need to go and empty your savings account and give it to somebody. If God tells you to do so, all means do so. I'm just telling you to bless somebody. Whether that's paying for a meal, somebody behind you. Whether that's providing them an encouraging ear, somebody that will hear from them and hear what they're going through and pray with them. It can be time, it can be money, but I just challenge you this week bless somebody, bless them, and don't expect
0: anything in return.